Long. I'm representing the petitioners here, including the growers who depend upon the pesticide clopyrifos as a vital crop protection tool. The petitioners in this case do not dispute that the FFDCA requires an aggregate exposure analysis to determine whether a tolerance for a pesticide residue is safe. The dispute, the issue in this case, Your Honors, is what exposures must EPA aggregate together in doing that risk assessment? The statute answers the question in subsection B2A2, which provides the definition of safe for this analysis. And there it says safe means no harm from aggregate exposure, including all anticipated dietary exposures and other exposures for which there is reliable information. The key word there is anticipated. Now, to be sure, the statute also addresses the topic of existing tolerances. Existing tolerances are set forth in subsection B2D as one of a non-exclusive set of factors that the agency must consider in making its safety finding. But that is the starting point. That is not the ending point. The ending point is in the definition of safety in subsection B2A, which I just read. And that is no risk of harm from the aggregation of anticipated exposures. Consistent with the forward-looking nature of that direction anticipated, EPA's settled practice is to do a forward-looking risk assessment. How will uses change? How will the risks change as uses change? What mitigation is required to bring risk down to an acceptable level? That is the approach it takes as it adds tolerances, as it removes tolerances, as it makes the safety finding for doing so. And that is the settled approach that EPA took in the years leading up to its announcement of a safety finding in December 2020 with the PID. The agency had undertaken years of scientific analysis and risk assessment, which it finalized and pro produced earlier that year in 2020. And it looked at two different sets of clopyrifos uses. Set number one, everything. Set number two, the subset of 11 uses that we're discussing in this case today. It had two different findings about the risk from those two different analyses. For everything, it concluded the risks here, considering all exposures, were too high to comply with the FQPA's most stringent safety standard. But it also said that considering this subset of 11 safe uses, that there is no risk of aggregate harm of exposure to anyone using the most protective safety standard set forth in the statute. Counsel, what's the effect Count of the Ninth Circuit's decision and I assume a response of the EPA to that decision and its effect on what's before us? That Ninth Circuit case, Your Honor, which I'll refer to as LULAC. LULAC II, I think it's officially called. But. Supports the petitioners and shows why EPA was wrong here. In that case, the issue that the Ninth Circuit focused on was the fact that under the 
older analysis, the 2016 analysis, they had not identified that subset of safe uses yet. The risk analysis, the safety finding for what was cited in the 2016 risk assessments considered only all uses and said there are too much risk considering all uses. And what EPA's position was then was that it could modify, that is, reduce the number of tolerances at issue and make a safety finding on the narrowed subset. And that was what the Ninth Circuit said the problem was. Can and I so ask you this? After the PID comes out and identifies safe uses, as you termed it, did any of the manufacturers cancel all their other registrations? Yes. As of today, all of the other manufacturers have taken the step of voluntarily canceling their registrations for food use, with one exception, and that is GARDA, one of the petitioners today. It maintained the registrations for the 11 safe uses, canceling the rest of the food uses. But the point is, throughout that period of time, when a tolerance is revoked, as a matter of law, it cannot be used in the field on that crop. So it has not been used throughout this course of litigation since the tolerances went into effect. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is after the PID came out and identified some safe uses, there was a period of negotiation back and forth to try to get cancellations of the non-safe uses and that that just didn't materialize. And the EPA was up against a deadline set by the Ninth Circuit and I may have this wrong, but essentially it appears they had no choice but to go ahead and cancel completely. That is not correct under the facts or the law, Your Honor, and I'll explain why. Okay. So after the PID came out defining the 11 uses and giving it safety finding, EPA did use that in its negotiations with the registrants, including GARDA, on what would be given up. What's important there for this court to understand is that it used the PID definition as a baseline and took the position in writing in the spring of 2021 that nothing but the safe uses would be allowed. Clearly, at that point in time, EPA was not anticipating that all the existing uses would continue. Now, as a matter of law, EPA does not need the cooperation of any registrant in order to make a tolerance decision. It can make the tolerance decision on its own, on the basis of the information that it has, and it can eliminate the tolerances that correspond to those in the PID that are outside of the safe use zone. It does not need any cooperation from GARDA or any other registrant to do that. But in fact, what they did get and it's in the record, is the written commitment from GARDA to revoke, change its registrations to comply with the agreed-upon list of safe uses. They had that commitment in writing. And what did they do? They just went silent over the last few weeks of the deadline period and walked away. There was nothing that forced this decision out of EPA. They had the information, that is the scientific safety finding. They had the definition of safe uses. They had the application rates that would be corresponding to the safe uses. They had everything they needed in order to 
make the safety finding and to require the registrations to be amended accordingly. And remember, the Ninth Circuit, to Chief Judge Levinsky's point, didn't set a deadline for that paperwork to be done. That is, the changing of the labels. It set a deadline to make a decision. It didn't set a deadline for the tolerances to expire. It didn't set a deadline for the registrations to change. The tolerances were kept in place for a period of 10 months after the decision came out of the Ninth Circuit and LULAC II. They had the information, they had the time, they had the authority to make the decision. And remember what they said in trying to justify the rule in the denial order, addendum page 49. There they said how negotiations take place between EPA and registrants is not at all relevant to the validity of the final rule. What matters is whether there is evidence to align with the safety finding that was made by the agency. Here, the evidence is, for these uses, that it is safe, compliant with the FQPA safety standard, protects infants, children, and everyone. And EPA has no... But didn't they, counsel, didn't they say that um, these, you know, these um, studies and these safe, safe, so-called safe uses were tentative and say, you know, ultimately, the, six, the way I read it is the 60-day and 90-day deadlines didn't allow them to make conclusive findings based on the studies that they had written or that they had, had reviewed. And so isn't that, isn't really the problem potentially? But the Ninth Circuit deadline made it so they couldn't reach that final conclusion, whether that's arbitrary and capricious or not, I don't know. But I wanted to address that point. The answer to your question is, is no, Your Honor. Um, the statement made in the PID was that EPA had determined that these uses were safe. That's point number one. Point number two, all of that, including the science, went through notice and comment that was completed in March of 2021 before the LULAC 2 case ever came down. Point number three is that even after considering all of that in the issuing the final rule, the EPA in August 2021 did not back away from its scientific conclusions at all. It still said that these safe uses are safe. In answering the objections in February of 2022, it said the same thing. It still stands behind the science today in this court. On pages 12 and 13 of their brief, they still say, considering all of that, after all of this time, uses consistent with the PID are indeed safe, consistent with the Let safety. me ask it this way. Let's say we were to deny the petition and the final rule stands. Couldn't you then, you meaning the manufacturers, cancel registrations and then file an administrative petition to reinstate tolerances for the safe uses? The problem with that, Your Honor, is that for the registrants, the manufacturers, it takes years, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do. But more critically for the other petitioners here, the growers, that gives them no relief in the interim. And the pest pressure grows every year that the pests are untreated. Those losses will continue to my clients. They will get worse over time. I think the North Dakota brief makes this point very well, as well as the declarations. So that is not an appropriate path. The other problem, Your Honor, is that, as we noted in our latest 28J that we filed yesterday, 
the EPA is now trying to use the same argument and the revocation of tolerances in going after the, after the last remaining registrants, clopyrifos registration, that very last bit which is left, one registrant, one company, 11 uses. They're using these same arguments that they've advanced in the final rule and in this court today to try to cancel the registration. So that, Your Honor, would provide no relief. What we would request, Your Honor, is that the court would vacate EPA's revocation of the tolerances for the safe uses and remand it back to EPA with instructions in order to enter the safety finding for the safe uses that it had announced in the PID and consistent with the LULAC II order from the Ninth Circuit, EPA should be ordered to conform the remaining clopyrifos registrations, which are the only ones that are held by GARDA, to conform to the safe uses. EPA should be ordered to do that immediately and under Section D4A1 without any further notice and comment, which is also the direction given in the LULAC order. Your Honors, I'll reserve the rest of my time unless there are questions for rebuttal. I don't see any. Thank you, Mr. Long. Ms. Glickman. Good morning, and may it please the Court. My name is Laura Glickman, and I'm appearing on behalf of EPI. With me at Council's table is Angela Husky, also of EPI. Council, before you get started in your prepared remarks, just listening to the final statement and conclusion of the appellants, what's the EPA's response to their request for relief to, uh, to have this court to uh, direct the EPA to find that the 11 uh, potentially safe uses are con to conform the um, requirements on the manufacturers to 11 uses that have been found to be safe? I think there are a few issues with their request for relief, and I'll address that um, question first. Is EPA has not made a final safety finding um, with regard to the 11 uses proposed in the PID. Um, it was a proposed document under a different statute, which is FIFRA, which allows EPA to consider um, benefits of particular uses. EPA put that document out for notice and comment, and depending on who you ask, the proposed uses are either over-inclusive or under-inclusive. EPA received comments um, from environmental groups um, who argued that the science didn't support retaining any uses at all. And those comments addressed the scientific underpinnings um, of the PIT. And so in order to make a final safety finding, EPA would have to grapple with those comments and address them. Um, so it, it, asking the court to direct EPA to just go ahead and make a safety finding short circuits that process. Um, the other issue um, with vacating with regard to the 11 uses is that the assumptions in the PID reflect changes to FIFRA registrations and labels under FIFRA. And in particular, um, EPA still doesn't have in hand uh, labels that would effectuate the changes as they were proposed in the PID. 
So there wouldn't be a could I, could I follow up? Um, you know, um, a lot of what I read between the lines, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, seems to be the Ninth Circuit made me do it. And, and I don't think the government's really saying that. But the fact of the matter is, you, you, you came up here and asked the sort of question I asked the opposing counsel, which is, it seems like the Ninth Circuit, by putting these 60-day deadlines, by pushing, at one point even telling the EPA they had to cancel these tolerances, which was reversed or vacated by the en banc court, it feels like the, the normal process got short-circuited. And so why should we vacate and remand so the, the EPA can finish its process correctly uh, under the amount of time it needs to deal with all of these safety questions? So I, I think the, the question for the court is whether EPA's decision was reasonable at the time it was made. I think it is true that Normally, as um, EPA has expressed as far back as its carboferrin decision, their practice is to try to negotiate changes with registrants. Um, and I think the record here shows that EPA really bent over backwards to try to maintain um, some uses, but without any sort of firm commitment from GARDA um, or the other registrants and the deadline approaching, it didn't have a choice, really, but to revoke these tolerances. And remember, after receiving any firm commitments from um, registrants, it still would have had, at the end of that process, to go back and make a safety Was the, the decision to revoke the tolerances based on scientific conclusions or uh, research of some kind? Yes. So EPA looked at all of the studies and concluded that aggregate exposure to all chlorpyrifos exposures that it believed were anticipated was unsafe, including in particular for infants and children. Now, the, the USDA also has some regulatory responsibility in the area of food. Do, does their research, uh, how, how, how does their research compare to that that is conducted and has been conducted by the EPA? I, I, EPA was the agency that was tasked with making with making this decision. It, USDA does disagree with the decision. However, they did not file any objections um, to uh, the final rule. Um, and my understanding is that they don't have the same um, expertise with regard to. Um, it, 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 let me well, rephrase they that. They seem to have some expertise have, in food have, safety. They do have expertise in safety, but Congress tasked EPA with making these choices, and so with making these decisions, rather. Um, and I, I, I'm not disputing that USDA has expertise with regard to food safety um, and with regard to pesticides in particular, but this decision was EPA's. And the USDA didn't join the, the process until quite recently. Council, I want to I go back to my question, which is, were the deadlines too short for EPA? I mean, was it possible to complete everything you wanted to complete in the short deadlines given by the Ninth Circuit? It's, it's, I, I think it's, EPA thought that it perhaps would be possible. Um, I don't think they would have known for sure until it actually occurred. Their hope was that Garda and other registrants would take the um, actions that EPA um, had requested quickly and that it could move on um, 
to discuss the safety. The reason why I ask that is because the D.C. Circuit in particular, I know the issue before us technically is whether what EPA did was arbitrary and capricious, but the D.C. Circuit actually has another remedy that they apply in circumstances like these, at least from my understanding, and that's a straight-up remand, sort of saying, take another look at this. We're not saying that what you did is arbitrary and capricious, but take another look at this and figure out if you need more time or if, you, if there's more information you need, take another look at it. Why shouldn't we order that in this case? So we would, given the choice between vacater and remand without vacater, we would prefer um, remand without vacater. Um, EPA still, again, would have to make the safety finding, um, and it uh, would still need to be able to look um, at anticipated uses and have a commitment or labels in hand um, under FIFRA that would effectuate um, those changes. And right now, sitting here today, um, we don't have a safety finding. Um, we also don't have the labels in hand or a commitment to submit them. I asked okay. Mr. Long about during the negotiation process <clears throat> whether the manufacturers had canceled the non-safe use registrations. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to me he I'm not sure I totally understood it, but it sounded like he said yes, that they had agreed to cancel or had canceled them. Is that accurate or not? Uh, no, Your Honor, that's not accurate. Um, at the time, EPA... And or did I misunderstand him? Maybe I misunderstood what he was saying. Um, I, either way, I'll, I'll explain from, from our perspective. Um, at the time of the final rule, EPA had not received any cancellation requests or label amendments from any registrant. EPA, after um, publishing the final rule and denying the objections, um, said that if it doesn't receive voluntary cancellation requests for non-food uses, that it will commence involuntary cancellation proceedings. At this point, every registrant, except for GARDA, has asked EPA to cancel all of the non-food uses. Um, EPA has acted on some of these cancellation requests, but not, is still processing others. I see. That occurred after mm -hmm. the final rule. Yes, Your Honor. Um, <coughs> sorry, petitioner's argument that EPA had an obligation to reduce anticipated exposures so that it could modify the tolerances instead of revoking them is unsupported by either the text of the FFDCA or FIFRA. Um, as we've discussed, what is safe under the FFDCA is based in part on anticipated exposures, in other words, anticipated uses. With regard to modification, the FFDCA does not provide EPA with a basis to unilaterally choose one tolerance over another where aggregate exposure is unsafe nor does EPA have the authority under FIFRA, which is a licensing statute, to quickly cancel registrations or amend labels without registrants' consent. Petitioners claim to the contrary in their reply brief misreads EPA's regulations and the statutes. There simply is no magic wand here. Um, and, and that is why um, EPA attempted to negotiate with GARDA and other registrants to reduce the number of uses, um, but without a commitment as to what 
as to what uses would be narrowed, um, EPA reasonably conducted a safety assessment based on what the uses were at the time. Um, the FFDCA does not ask EPA to determine whether there might be some action it could take under FIFRA that would enable it to make a safety finding under the FFDCA. Instead, it requires EPA to assess anticipated exposures in making that safety determination. Um, EPA doesn't dispute that there might be some tolerance um, or combination of tolerances that could potentially meet the safety standard, but that doesn't render its decision here unreasonable. And I think that's particularly true because both the Ninth Circuit and the FFDCA say that when aggregate exposure is unsafe, EPA must either revoke or modify the tolerances. It doesn't say that EPA can only revoke if it that if EPA can only revoke if it finds that it can't modify them. There's discretion that's built into the statute. And so even if it were true that EPA could have perhaps modified the tolerances, that doesn't render the decision to revoke unreasonable. Well, could, does, does the record show how you take into account the, the consequences of making the choice to go to complete uh, elimination as opposed to studying for more uh, uh, tolerant uses? Just to make sure I understand, are you referring to consequences to farmers and to or? all who have interests? Sure. So th there's a there's a high bar in the statute for um, retaining uses in response to a petition to revoke, um, which is what we had here. So EPA had to make an affirmative safety determination. It couldn't consider um, under the statute any economic impacts to growers. That can only be considered under FIFRA. The sole question here is one of safety. Um, and the Ninth Circuit was clear um, that if EPA chose to modify the tolerances within the 60 days, that it would have to make a safety finding um, at the same time. And that's the only way that EPA could have retained those uses. And a safety finding here, again, is not guaranteed. Um, EPA still, um, again, is looking at the, the science. And I, I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the Ninth Circuit's LULAC II decision. Um, the Ninth Circuit did not mince words here um, that EPA had abdicated its statutory duty under the FFDCA um, by trying to, um, by trying to uh, find um, my, excuse me, the, the, the Ninth Circuit found uh, that EPA had abdicated statutory duty by what it was doing in terms of delaying making any sort of safety determination, um, and that this delay had exposed the generation of American children to unsafe levels of chlorpyrifos. And it said to EPA, your time is now up. Here's 60 days. And I think EPA acted reasonably, given the facts before it, um, and the, the, in particular, the Ninth Circuit's deadline. Um, if, if there are no further questions, I'll move on to um, discuss the, the PID or the PID. Um, the uses um, that, 
that um, were proposed um, in the PID did not constitute a final safety finding. I think the PID itself um, made clear that it wasn't a final safety determination. It said that the list of uses may be considered what, for retention. What, what could be reasonably relied upon based on the PID? I mean, someone who reads it, what, what are they entitled to any kind of reliance on that um, document and what it represents? I don't believe so, and, and this is an argument that um, petitioners make, I think, in their opening brief. Um, the PID was a proposed decision, and then even if somebody had relied on it, the Ninth Circuit made clear that it was not a final safety determination. Instead, it said that EPA would have to make one um, if it chose to modify the tolerances. Um, so, I, I, therefore, I don't think any sort of reliance on the PID w would have been reasonable. Um, I see my time has expired if there are um, no further questions. Uh, for those reasons, I, I, I think that um, the court should find for EPA on the merits. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Glickman. Mr. Long, your rebuttal. Your Honors, I'd like to start with the PID where we just ended. Um, it was certainly more than just a proposal. It was an announcement of the results of safety analyses that had been completed earlier in 2020. And it used very specific language saying, we, EPA, have determined that the safe uses will not pose potential risks. That finding then went through notice and comment, which was completed before LULAC. And even after that, in the August 2021 rule, EPA said that the safe uses were indeed safe. This suggestion that my colleague has made that there's some doubt about the science here is just not true. You can read that on page 42 of petitioner's addendum, which is the statement EPA made in the final rule or the objections to um, the final rule saying there is no factual dispute here. EPA does not dispute its scientific conclusions and findings in the PID. They said this is a legal dispute about what we can consider. And uh, that, on that issue, they've just abandoned their position. They've always had the position that we can consider proposals and make safety findings on proposals. In the 2021 decision, they abandoned that and said, no, it's got to be existing only, which is flat contrary to the statute. And one of the things that the USDA has taken them to task for, as noted in the 28J, EPA's abandonment of their position is arbitrary and capricious. And for that reason alone, this court should reverse and remain. Thank you, Mr. Long. Thank you also, Ms. Glickman. We appreciate both counsel's participation and argument. I think the court will find it helpful. Uh, as we continue to study the briefing in this case. Case is submitted. Council may be excused.